Hey friends, I am coming to you live from the top of a mountain. I'm currently sitting at the end of Lost Mine Trail in the Chisos Mountains, Big Bend National Park. What's interesting about the Chisos is that they are what is sometimes referred to as a sky island. A sky island is a type of mountain range found throughout the American Southwest where the biome of the mountainous area contrasts the land surrounding it. In this case, I can look out beyond the green, jagged peaks to a sea of sand and shrubs, the Chihuahuan Desert. Not much lives there, really. Just a lot of dinosaur bones. It's not very hospitable. But up here in the sky island of the Chisos, there are bears, mountain lions, hawks, deer, trees, and a lot of curious hikers like me. I grew up with Big Bend basically in my backyard, as far as Texas standards go. So I consider it a travesty that I never made it here until I was well into my 20s. It's a special place. I'll tell you more about it on this episode of Routes Unbound. I'm Logan Reynolds, and I already said the title of the show in the pre-intro, which is totally thrown off my groove, but yes, we are going to Big Bend this episode. Some people think that Texas doesn't have any grand outdoor attractions, but there are places in the Lone Star State with a bit of magic. So don't leave. Our story doesn't start in the park itself, but just outside of it, in a little town called Marathon. Marathon is basically one populated street in the middle of the desert. Its centerpiece is the Gage Hotel, a historic, supposedly haunted, western-themed hotel that's catered to guests since the 1920s. Inside the hotel is the White Buffalo Bar, where I sat down to write part of this voiceover. It gets its namesake from the taxidermied white buffalo that graces one of the walls. There aren't many people here, and that seems to be kind of by design. You really get the impression that one is on the edge of civilization. There's no larger city for at least four hours in any direction. But perhaps the biggest reason why Marathon feels so small is because nobody stays in Marathon for long. It's more of a place between places, where travelers can recharge and regroup before heading down into the park or further west toward Marfa. The horizon is dominated by stunning mesas, spectacular sunsets, and trains running east and west. There's one road going south out of the town, and it heads into Big Bend. First, you'll pass a border checkpoint, about ten minutes south of town. Then there's nothing. Literally, just brown dirt and shrubs. But if you can make it past this relatively uneventful drive, you begin to find yourself being drawn into the magic of the Chihuahuan Desert. Hills give way to cliffs and vistas, which give way to mountains. Like many other national parks, you quickly become keenly aware that humans are the visitors here. At some point, you'll emerge from a valley onto a large, open plain, out of which bursts forth the Chisos Mountains, an oasis of rock and trees. This is where Big Bend begins. The name Chisos comes from the first recorded habitants of the area, though archaeological remains date back many thousands of years. 
But the Chisos were a loosely organized band of Native Americans who were nomadic hunters, and they roamed the lands of Big Bend before Europeans discovered the area in the mid-1500s. It was the Spaniards who were the first outsiders to explore the area, and most of them were looking for gold and silver in the New World. But they weren't the only ones. There were Franciscan monks, too, who came to the Rio Grande to establish missions to evangelize and convert the natives. And after them, a series of forts were constructed along the river to protect the border of New Spain. A lot of these forts were abandoned, and the area remained mostly empty until the end of the 1800s, when valuable mineral deposits were discovered in the area. This, of course, led to a small mining boom, which created the towns of Boquillas and Terlingua. Before it became Big Bend National Park, the area was designated as a Texas Canyons State Park in 1933. The name was changed later that year to Big Bend State Park. Soon after the state of Texas handed over the land to the United States government, and in 1944, Big Bend National Park was born. Our journey starts on the lonely road that winds toward the towering Chisos Mountains. In the foothills of the mountains is a small turnoff which descends into a small valley. Here, a stunning display of fossils found within the park is housed beneath a large pavilion. Big Bend is considered a treasure trove to paleontologists, as the fossil record here is rich and diverse. Apparently there was an ocean here a long, long time ago. There are even specimens that have been found here that have not been found anywhere else in the world. Compared to other national parks, the rocks of Big Bend hold secrets from a much longer time span, giving scientists far more to work with than other places. The fossil discovery exhibit is a great little stop on our way to the Chisos Mountains. And it's only another eight miles until you come to Panther Junction, where the park's main office is located. Here, after a quick stop at the visitor center, you can go east or west. But you better fill up before you do, as this is also the only place with fuel for an hour in any direction. We'll turn right and head west until we take another turn. A few minutes of traveling over tight switchbacks, and we've arrived in the Chisos Basin, a wide, forested valley nestled inside the Chisos Mountains. In a way, it's the heart of Big Bend. Here, there's a campground, a hotel, a convenience store, another ranger station, and trails branching off in every direction. And it's here that you first begin to understand what is meant by the phrase Sky Island. Because any glimpse that one can get of the world beyond the Chisos seems to be of a land far below and beyond the basin. At just the right angle along the trails, one can see out into the barren desert and feel a sense of sanctuary among the mountains. This area is where most of the wildlife in the park lives, and there's a variety of it. Lots of birds and reptiles, of course, but a surprising amount of mammals, too. There are mountain lions, bears, bobcats, coyotes, foxes, badgers, rabbits, bighorn sheep. It's the kind of place that feels alive, especially when contrasted with the desert surrounding it. But it's not the only place in and around the park worth visiting. To see the rest of Big Bend, we'll have to drive a bit further. The only way out of the Chisos Basin is the same curvy road that leads to it. But after taking that back to the main road, and turning west once again, we'll be taken to a different area of the park, one dominated by the desert landscape, where the Chisos serve not as a sanctuary, but as a backdrop. As we drive further away from the mountains and enter a desert valley, we'll come just outside the borders of the park. Here, 
the ghost town of Terlingua entertains all types of visitors. Once the site of a mercury mine, the small settlement drew a crowd in the late 1800s and was a busy place in the early 1900s. But today, it's nothing more than a handful of shops and the ruins of the mine and its associated buildings. Terlingua isn't dead, though. Being so close to the National Park has given it a second life as a tourist destination. And it makes a lot of sense, because this place feels like the Wild West, the kind of place where tumbleweeds blow across the road just as a hawk screeches overhead. And it's not some characterization of a more authentic place. It is the authentic place. The ruins of the Terlingua mine can even be explored with relative freedom, at least the ruins on the surface, that is. And there are a small number of shops and hotels. The Starlight Theater, which is actually a restaurant, is perhaps the most lively joint in town. And every November, thousands of people descend on the area for an annual chili cook-off. Trilingua is almost like an oasis without the water. That's not to say that there isn't any water nearby. There is a reason the park is called Big Bend, and it has to do with our next stop. Heading back into the boundaries of the park and turning south, we'll hit another lonely road, which can basically describe every road in Big Bend. And it winds its way through the desert rock until suddenly the horizon is dominated by a towering cliff wall that stretches without end from east to west. It almost feels as if you've reached the edge of the map. These cliffs, over 1,000 feet high, form the base of Santa Elena Canyon, one of the most stunning views in the park. And when you reach the canyon, you'll be greeted by the Rio Grande as it trickles out of the deep canyon walls. Unlike the Grand Canyon, which is mostly accessible from the top, Santa Elena Canyon is accessible from the bottom. There's even a path that winds its way up through the canyon along the river. If you follow it, you're quickly swallowed by the colossal walls of rock on both sides. And occasionally, you'll even pass a raft full of paddlers and life vests on the way downstream. The Rio Grande forms the southern boundary of Big Bend. Its curving course gives the park its name, but it also forms the southern boundary of the United States. Because of this, there are places in Big Bend where you can cross between countries. For our next stop, we'll zip down the river to the east side of the park. Here, you can hop over the border to the small Mexican town of Boquillas del Carmen, if you have a valid passport. There, a handful of shops cater to travelers of all kinds. But as our next stop reveals, this isn't the only thing worth visiting in this corner of the park. Let's head just up the river. As if Big Bend didn't already have enough strange features and points of interest spread across its 800,000 acres, there's a particularly interesting stop on the banks of the Rio Grande. Here, water that is geothermally heated bubbles up from the ground at 105 degrees Fahrenheit. These hot springs have been an attraction since long before the National Park was here. In 1909, a man named J.O. Langford arrived in the area from Mississippi, having heard tales of healing waters near the Rio Grande. Being in poor health, he came to make a claim to these supposed waters. When he found the springs, he found a family of 12 already occupying them. Even so, he was able to create a steady alliance with those already there, and they began settling down. But three years later, the Langfords were forced to flee the area due to bandits, which, if there's any place in America that would have bandits, Big Bend makes a lot of sense. But the Langfords returned in 1927 and built up the area around the springs. 
creating a bathhouse and several cabins. Today, the stone foundation of the old bathhouse keeps the mineral-rich hot springs contained next to the rushing waters of the Rio Grande, and many sore hikers still soak in them when the weather and the water permits. Of all these places mentioned, there are dozens more scattered throughout the park. Trails, ruins, canyons, valleys. Big Bend is big, and because it's so big and so remote, it's also home to a lot of stories, some more violent than others. On the east side of the park, among the desert canyons that are scattered along the Old Ore Road, is the lonely grave of Juan de Leon. A white cross still marks the site. It reads, Born June 24th, 1906. Died July 19th, 1932. What happened to Juan de Leon is lost to history. All we know is that he was riding his horse when he was shot. By the time his body was found days later, it was already too decomposed to move. So he was buried right there where he died. Why he was shot, we will probably never know. But Juan de Leon was murdered in the desert, and you can still visit him today if you can reach him. Stranger than that is the lonely Bruja Canyon. Here, hikers have reported hearing the sounds of wailing on the wind. Legend has it that the sound is the cries of a Native American woman who drowned her own children in the canyon's waters to keep them from being captured and tortured by settlers who were chasing them. If you come alone at night, they say that you can hear her crying, still carrying on the wind. Some have even claimed to see the ghostly apparition of this witch of Bruja Canyon floating about after nightfall. Maybe the supernatural isn't your cup of tea, and there are more grounded reasons for what people experience in the park. But these stories still remain a testament for the feeling of eerie isolation that accompanies visitors and rangers alike. That feeling of awe and inspiration, but also that feeling like something might be watching you. Sure, maybe it's not a ghost, but it could be a mountain lion. Big Bend can be as beautiful as it is dangerous, and it commands the respect of anyone who visits. Sadly, there have been numerous people who have died over the years from dehydration or falls, and with so much of the park not being attended to by park rangers, it is definitely not the kind of place you want to get lost in. And speaking of getting lost in, let's go for a hike. It is now the afternoon and I am on a very desolate, bumpy, gravel road in my dually truck on my way to Pine Canyon. Somehow I always end up on these roads that are very hard to drive. At least this time, not in a tiny car. So hopefully it's not a problem. Oh, it's very, very bumpy though. Very slow going. Okay. Finally made it to the trailhead. Took me about 40 minutes to go six miles, maybe. My body feels like it's vibrating. I haven't checked the truck yet. I'm assuming it's fine, but if not, 
I might be sleeping out here. That would turn into a pretty interesting episode, I guess. All I gotta say is this better be one awesome hike. Okay. It's a pretty good hike. <sighs> I'm standing in the middle of a desert vista. The uh, peaks of the Chisos are surrounding me. And there is absolutely nobody else on this trail. Which is both awesome and a little nerve-wracking because I also don't have cell service. So if I break an ankle or get bitten by a snake out here, that's going to be bad news. Should be alright though. Ah, it's really beautiful out here and it's so quiet. I mean, the silence. I gotta stop talking. So I've made it a little further up into Pine Canyon. And this is definitely bear country now. Lots of trees. Lots of shade. And you know, I really, really don't want to see a bear. But also, like I really want to see a bear. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to get eaten by one. But it would be cool to see one. Maybe there was like a giant crevasse, right? And I was on one side and a bear was on the other side. And it wanted to eat me. It was snarling at me and stuff. But it can't get to me because of the crevasse. That's like an ideal scenario for me right now. Man, if I end up getting eaten by a bear before I make it back to my truck, these recordings are going to be very ominous and probably appear on a much different podcast one day. I've almost made it to the end of the trail and in some really quiet woods now. It's really beautiful down here. I think I'm in some sort of dry riverbed. Looks like a place that only sees water when it rains really heavily, but a lot of boulders down here. The Chisos Mountains are straight above me now. I'm basically at the base of them. They're blotting out the sun. The wind through the tops of the trees is pretty much the only thing I can hear. Okay, I made it to the end of the trail. It's a beautiful hike. Very quiet. Now the mission is to get home before dark. Big Bend feels like a place at the edge of the map. Unforgiving and yet welcoming at the same time. A place that wants you to visit, but not to stay for too long. So if you ever find yourself in this lonely corner of Texas, go out at night and look up at the glistening sky. Listen for the sound of coyotes in the distance and the rush of the Rio Grande on its way to the Gulf of Mexico. And feel the desert breeze on your skin. Let yourself be swallowed up by the wide open spaces. This episode of Routes Unbound was written and produced by me, Logan Reynolds. For more journeys into the fascinating forgotten, you can listen to our other episodes or follow us on social media. All the links are in the description of this episode. And until next time, don't forget to slow down, be human, and watch out for wailing witches. I hear they're bad this time of year. <laughs>